we're going to do part two coming from the 54th chapter, 15th to the 17th verse of Isaiah. When obedient, you are invincible. No weapon formed against you can prosper. The reason I put that before that, when obedient, because there are a lot of people that are out of the Word of God. We try to do things out of the Word of God, and sometimes we fall victim. We fall victim of what's happening because you're in a hypocritical stage. If you're not being obedient, you can't really tell somebody else to be obedient. It doesn't work. It, it works to your disadvantage. So, Isaiah the 52nd chapter in the first verse says, Wake up, wake up Jerusalem and clothe yourself with strength from God. Put on your beautiful clothes, O Zion, holy city. For sinners, those who turn from God will no longer enter your gates. So here it is. You have to put Christ on. You have to be in Christ for this to be effective for the weapons that are formed against you not to prosper. Because even in Christ, sometimes you'll suffer setbacks. You may even suffer death, but it won't be victory. The spiritual understanding of that is that you remain steadfast, immovable in the faith. And it's just like Jesus' death. He showed us the ultimate example that they hung him on a cross. They crucified him. But it didn't work out in a form of prosperity. It worked out to further God's plan because God resurrected him. He was desolate for a period. Even the disciples that were with him ran away and left him. But look what we have today. The church has grown exponentially. That it's so large and it's consumed the whole earth. So it prospered that, that godless men by the determinate counsel of God murdered him, but he was obedient to Christ. In other words, that his will be done, not the way Jesus Christ wanted it. So, we have to put Christ on. We have to be in Christ. Ephesians 6, 10-13 in inclusions says, Be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord, in the power of history. When he says, put on strength, that's putting on the Lord, because you can feed the needy. You can do a lot of things in your own power. And ultimately, you get tired of that. You get tired of doing it. As Peter asks, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Without the Spirit, you can't forgive and forgive from the heart and not become bitter and everything. It takes being born again, a regeneration. And then when you buffet yourself and submit yourself or humble yourself on the the hand of God, then that part of self dies out. That's being generated and made a new man. So as we study the scriptures and see weaknesses, we must say in the name of Jesus, come against that in Jesus' name, not in your name. As it, what is, the book of Judah says, the Lord rebukes you. That this is according to the word of God. That's why it says when we pray According to the will of God, he'll give us anything that we request of him. Put on God's complete armor so that you can successfully resist the devil's craftiness. 
you have to be completely clothed in Christ. And I told you about in the book of Ephesians 16 through 18, the armor of God. Not in your own armor. It could be like Saul had gave David his armor to fight Goliath with. And David said he hadn't proved that. In other words, it was not of his. The Christian soldiers confronting something that as a soldier he could not overcome except that he himself also has an invisible help to draw upon as a resource. It's nothing from, well, it is something from within you. It has to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ has to be in you. You're drawing from him, not overcoming in your own strength. That's why when the Lord departed from Samson and he knew it not, he couldn't overcome the Philistines. We can't overcome the world if we're fighting in our own strength. That's what I was telling you about the false prophets and the false teachers. Though they are not with us, they may cast out devils in Jesus' name. They may spew the gospel. They may preach and teach the gospel. But when outside or external forces sooner or later come against them, they won't overcome because they wasn't authorized to do what they did. In other words, trial and tribulation tells the difference in those things. The qualities that we need to fight this war are not things we have inherently. And that's why I'm saying if you just have a good nature of good or whatever, sometimes good people or naive people have so much frustration or resentment pinned up in them, it makes them resentful toward their spouse, toward their children, toward other people become jealous and envy and have have all kinds of neurosis. That's why it tends to make some people psychologically depressed or psychotic or whatever. That's the weapons that's this world pressing in against them. The world is overcoming. Those weapons that are formed against them are overcoming because they are not in Christ. We We must be given them by God. He must give us the power, as Daniel and Joseph said, if I had a dream or whatever, unless God had given it to me, I wouldn't have understood it. Unless God give me strength, I can't overcome. Why? Because we talked about that yesterday. I was preaching that he was the one that formed, gave the ghost, I mean the blacksmith the ability to form and make weapons. If your enemy has a weapon or something, God said, I create evil and I create good. He had given them the power to do this. So they can't harm you because God had given them the weapon and he's not divided against himself. That's why when Pilate says, do you not know that I have power to release you, a power to do this? Jesus says, you wouldn't have anything unless it was given to you by my Father. So you can't do me anything that God hadn't allowed you to do that's what David says. Well, Shimei cursed me, but hadn't God bid him to curse me? He couldn't do it unless God allowed him to do it. You, you can't do me anything that God doesn't allow you to do me. If God be for you, who can be against you? Our relationship with God is the supreme importance as to whether we are going to have the proper resources to fight this battle. And that's what I tell people. You may be preaching or teaching or saying something that's religious, but it's because you heard it, not because you experienced it. 
you don't really know that for sure. That's not experiential to you, in other words. It's something that you heard, and do you really believe in Scripture or whatever? As the devil came and Jesus quoting Scriptures. But since he wasn't obedient to Scripture, he didn't have an understanding of what that meant and what it stood for. We have to go to him to get it. That's why it says in prayer and supplications, let your request be known to God. The minute someone says how something happened, when you told me yesterday about the air conditioning, yesterday morning at 6 o'clock, immediately I pray to God and tell him, you know, I'm helpless here. I don't know what to do. I don't have the funds. We can't do this. And I want to have church this morning. I don't want to cancel church. I want to do these things. And like I said, I really didn't do nothing. And it amazed me. I was thankful to God that it was in a bad condition, but all we did was walk in and flip a few switches, and it was there. Yes. See, God has power because he's over even inanimate objects. We speak to the problem. The single most important resource is mentioned last, which is prayer. If we talk, when we talk about the whole arm of God, placing on the whole arm of God, but in the 18th verse of the 6th chapter of Ephesians, prayer is the single most important thing it's mentioned last but it's the most important we have the shield of faith the breastplate of righteousness the helmet of salvation feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace but in verse 18 it says with all prayer and petition pray with a specific request not just in a generality to heal all the people in the world or to heal the church heal this specific person as Jesus said not everybody come out of grace. He says, Lazarus come forth. Tell God, get on your knees, be specific with God as to what you want. At all times, on every occasion, and in every any time, every season, as it says, in season and out of season, well, we, we always want to, no matter how small the thing is, bring it to God. In this prayer in the spirit, with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition interceding in prayer. Uh, the living says, praying all the time. Ask God for anything in line with the Holy Spirit's wishes. That's what I say. We have to be within the will of God. We shouldn't ask for something amiss. You asking for a car, but you don't need to ask, give me a Cadillac or Rolls Royce or whatever. That's the consuming up on your own lust. It, it may be a car someone can give you or whatever. It might be old egg beater or whatever. But you've got transportation. He know what you have need of. So you don't have to pray to win the lottery, but you know that God would increase your finances, that he would give you help. Plead with him, reminding him of your needs, even though he know what you need. He had designed it that we ask of him for what we need. That's, that's how God's law is set up. That's the precept. Whatever you need, ask the Father in my name, and that he'll give to you. Yes. That's according to Scripture. And as I was t- talking on the way up here, says, keep praying earnestly for all Christians everywhere and praying fervently. Because if your heart's not in it, you just come to God with some hoopty prayer or whatever, just saying thing, and it's not fervent. And the book of James, it says, the Elijah was a man with like passions as we are. 
but the prayer, the fervent prayer of a righteous man. In other words, with feeling, with passion toward God that this is coming from the heart. It's not just something that you're saying. We must be in communication with the leader whose battle this is. He knows what battle you're in, and you know he knows you fighting his battle, so he knows what you need. You have to stay in communication with God. That's the if you get lost somewhere or whatever and you're not able to communicate with the leader, communicate how to get out of there. So prayer is the line that God's opened all the time. You could always talk to God. Whether you're in the bed, outside the bed, driving along or whatever you're doing, stay in constant communication with him. Now let's start with Ephesians 6 and 10 because this weapon, we must be armed for the weapons not to prosper. Uh, we must put these, th- some things we put on, some things we take on, but he asks us to be clothed in the strength of God. He's our covering. He's our protection. Now, we must be steadfast. In other words, as he told Joshua to be of strong and of a good courage. Yes. His word drives out fear, and we must fear the Lord and not have a spirit of fear. When Gideon was getting ready to go to battle, one thing that he asked Gideon to do, find out those that are among them that are fearful and tell the fearful to go home. Yes. Out of 32,000 people, 22,000 went home. If you're afraid of the enemy, if you're afraid of the world, if you have a spirit of fear, it's not from God. For it says, God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you have to be steadfast and immovable in the faith. You can't be a coward and turn and run. Notice that none of this armor is designed for the back. Don't turn and run. Don't flee away. Don't quit. Don't give up. Paul speaks of this steadfastness six times within this sixth chapter in the 10th through the 14th verse. We must hold our ground as we fight against the pressures of Satan and of this world. Don't give in to compromise and tolerance or whatever. Or either ask God for, for the wisdom to leave the battle, or however you should do. Paul fled being let down out of a basket. But there are certain ways. That's why I say we have to make supplications to God as to being being led by the Spirit of God. In verse 11, Paul tells us to stand against the wiles of the trick of the devils. To stand. Verse 13, he encourages us to prepare to withstand in the evil day. In these times, we must prepare ourselves to stand. Don't give up no matter if your children pass. Job lost everything he had. He, if your parents and everything around you is falling down. That's what I was praying yesterday, that everything was going wrong. My car's broke. This has been happening. This is going on. My finances are being short now. If the dog done ran away, just nothing's going right for you. Tell, t- tell all that to God. What's absurd, absurd, What's disturbing you? Because he says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Calamities shall be going on all around you. But he gives you a peace. He gives you great peace. 
He gives you comfort in the midst of a storm. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. Don't let the world infringe upon you where it just tears you apart. Job says, that what I fear has come up on me. David says, well, Saul's going to kill me one of these days unless I go to the land of the Philistines. Read God's word and be assured in his word. The surety of God's word to, st- to stabilize your step. That's why Isaiah says, stand still. He told Moses at the, burnt, at the sea, it says, stand still and see the salvation of, the, uh, of God. It calls stillness, being still. In other words, calmness to know that God is in the situation. God is controlling the situation. God is directing the situation. God is keeping you in the situation. In the 14th verse, he concludes with, Stand therefore and put on the armor of God that only God can supply. Now there are two things we need to look at here. Standing firm. Now he doesn't tell us to be agile or swift or foot to dodge or to duck and go around or whatever. We're being calm in the midst of the situation. He advised us not to move. We are to be up on this firm foundation standing. We are securely grounded and rooted and immovable in the faith. A person living a life of integrity is not shifty but has solid convictions rather than preferences with circumstances. And that's what I was talking with my daughter earlier today that if things are not going right and falling apart, go to the person, ask God to, act, to what to say, the wisdom and the knowledge in a situation. But hold to your integrity. And that's what everything that was going on with Job, God says that yet you move me against me, but against him, but he holds fast to his integrity. Don't break down in the situation and starts to curse and conform, fighting fire with fire. Because these things causes the weapons of the enemy to prosper. To give up and commit suicide, Samson was driven to the point where he committed suicide. Even though God was with him in death, that God gave him the ability and power to push those pillars down because you remember God had departed and left from him but he prayed that God would give him one last vestige of strength to take vengeance upon his enemies so it was God getting the victory the enemies didn't prosper he killed more Philistines with that one move but it killed him itself why? because Samson was disobedient unto God he had got himself in that predicament. That's why sometimes I said it may bring death. Not that Satan has won, but that instrument, God went on. And you know how he eventually destroyed the Philistines? I think it was Egypt that ultimately destroyed the Philistines. They fought the Philistines all the way through David and Saul of all of them. So God has other instruments, but if you're obedient... You're looking for you overcoming. You working out your own salvation. 
That's why I say you could be a success within yourself taking heed unto God. Paul here details the armor we need to take up. He lists several pieces of the whole armor of God, but the breastplate of righteousness deals most closely with integrity. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8, because here he says the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation is kind of welded in here with some of the other elements of the armor of God working in conjunction with this. You remember I told you there are different elements of combination of the word of God that really can't be divided. That's why I say sometimes when you're trying to compartmentalize salvation or compartmentalize certain faucets of God's salvation or anything in God's scripture. No, it's a union. They all work in unison. Just like as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one, they cannot be separated, but they're individual personages. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit of the Holy Ghost. It's three persons of the Godhead that one God working in unison, and we are part of that. So he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Now, it says, but let us who are of the day, in other words, the children of God, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, the Amplified reads, but since we believe us belong to the day of the light, we need to walk in the light. We need to be children of the light. Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope and confident assurance of salvation, that God had created us for salvation. He has told us sometimes that the enemies of our own household may be our foes. He had told us different things, so we're not to forget anything. We are to grow in the knowledge and understanding of God. But in other words, if we are to stand firm in the truth, our heart must be protected. This breastplate of righteousness, you think about the police department, they issue you a bulletproof vest. Well, God puts his righteousness on us. We have to be in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Unless we have his righteousness imputed unto us, we're sinking ship because our own righteousness is as filthy rags. So no matter how good your kindred, your spouse, your anybody is, that's their own goodness. And if unless it's the goodness of Christ, unless it's a fruit of the Spirit, yes. that weapons will penetrate that armor because it's not God's armor. We need His righteousness. That's why when we put on Christ, we put on His strength. Paul instructs us to protect our heart, our love, and our emotions with a breastplate of integrity. And as my daughter was saying, when one of her brothers was saying, well, whose side you taking in is you, you act like you're on his side. Well, no, darling, you are right. You're standing on the side of what's right. If this other individual is right, your brother is wrong. We cannot stand and maintain our integrity through nepotism. 
Don't be like Samson when Delilah said, oh, you must don't love me. You're listening to what they say, and I'm your wife, you should tell me. His wife got him killed. His wife got him bald-headed and grinding at the mill. His wife got him blind and his eyes put out. God told Abraham, because you've listened at your wife. He told Sam, Samson, because you've listened at your wife. He told the prophet, I was telling you the other day, I don't want my wife to get off. I keep using wife. Let me use somebody else. You've listened at this false prophet. You've listened at this other guy. And I told you not to listen to nobody else. He says, my sheep hear my voice and will hear not other. So if you give way to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, he says, in the last days, many of false prophets and antichrist shall arise. Be Many are saying that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Come listen at them. They're doing signs and wonders and lying miracles. Satan ministers are transformed into angels of the light. That's another device. That's another weapon of the devil. Misinformation. A misfruit information. Teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. But it's, it's twisted. The Spirit of the Lord doesn't tell you to tempt the Lord. Doesn't tell you that godliness is gain. We have to watch our emotions. You must have integrity. I tell your daughter, no, this is wrong. Tell your son, no, this is wrong. Tell your wife, no, this is wrong. It was Hezekiah, one of the kings that deposed the queen mother because she had built images and all of these things and she had to go. You have to maintain your take integrity. That's why he says Job maintained this integrity. His wife said, here in again the wife, he said, she says, all of this is happening. Why don't you curse God and die? Job says, something wrong with you, woman. You don't sound like my wife. The Lord give it and the Lord take it away. You have to maintain your integrity. The wife doesn't have to submit to her husband if he's telling her to do wrong. If he's telling her to do something that's out of the Lord as the the millwives was during the time when Pharaoh was telling them to kill the children of Israel, the Hebrew children. God blessed them for their disobedience. God blessed Rahab for hiding the spy. Yes, this what broke the letter of the law to be subject to authority in those that have rule over you. But when you break those laws... It has to be by the Spirit of the Lord. That's when He protects you like Daniel in the lion's den. He protects you like the Hebrew boy that was thrown in the fire. So all of those weapons that were formed against them didn't prosper, but they had put on Christ. It was because of Christ that they were in those very situations. And He can reverse the laws of thermodynamics, the law of the fire, the elements of the fire. They didn't even smell like fire when they came out of the fire. Their clothes wasn't smelling like fire or their hair wasn't singed. Daniel wasn't ripped apart in the lines then. The animals were still hungry. They tore up and ate the people that were thrown down in there after they pulled Daniel out. As part of the equipment, each Christian needs to stand firm in the spiritual war we have been recruited to fight. We must fasten integrity right across our chest to provide protection. You can't be underhand and shifted and do things, lie and deceive and think good's going to come of it. 
You must be a person of integrity. That's why I say God's Word must be working in you. It says those that serve the Lord has to have clean hands. You have to be washed. What happens when a soldier takes off his breastplate? You died in battle. That's why I say many of us die in battles. Uh, Many of us vulnerability. If kill someone or something happens and you go to protect them, that can get you killed. Be careful. He opens up his soft abdomen to attack. He is unprotected. Now, somebody's sob story. They're giving you, you've heard some people give you this pity party thing and you have mercy where you shouldn't have mercy and the things were directed. I was watching a show the other day and this lady felt sorry for this individual and the guy says, why don't you kill me? Go ahead and kill me because when you should have killed me back there and you had pity on me and the people when they caught me, they they disabled me and handicapped me. Now I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life because you didn't kill me. One of the other soldiers said, don't let your heart get in the way. I had a friend that was serving with me and the enemy captured him and he told me to kill him, but I didn't kill him. And But what happened was the enemy caught him and tortured him for three months and they, he died a horrific death. All of this because my heart got in the way. Sometimes feelings and emotions get in the way that you don't do what you're supposed to do. Remember, that's why God gives you a new heart directed after His law. God told Saul to go in and kill all of Amalek. But instead of killing all of Amalek, he let Agag live. Samuel comes and says, Have you did what the Lord said? He says, no, I saved this to offer up to the Lord. Obedience. And what the name of this? Obedience. When you're obedient to the Lord, then you're protected. He lost his kingship because he saved Agag. But the prophet took and hacked Agag into pieces. If he tells you to kill Isaac, you have to do like God says, And it's up to God to save Isaac. So when Abraham drew back, you remember I told you it takes a work. A faith without works is dead. You can consent to believe what's in the Bible. The devils believe and tremble, but they're not doers of God's word. So it was when Abraham drew back to kill Isaac. God says, hold it right there. Now I know you believe me because you're about to do what I told you to do. We need to do as God say do. Mary told the people at the wedding, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You may not see the reasoning and the rationale in it, but you have to be in, consider, in, in so much in relationship, you hear God speaking. Spiritually, the heart becomes vulnerable, apt to be turned away. The heart becomes vulnerable and apt to turn away. That's why he gives us a new heart, a heart to follow his commandments and his statutes and precepts, and we don't have an opinion. That we want to do, we don't do. That we do, we don't want to do. Why? Because we're being led by the Spirit of God. With spiritual weapons, and that's what I say. You remember I tell you, our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God. Matthew ten sixteen says, listen carefully. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent 
as doves. Have no self-serving agenda. In other words, it was a self-serving agenda that Paul Saul was serving when he said he saved the best of the flock to offer up sacrifice unto God. Well, that's self-serving. That's self-ambition. Christ's mandate to us that we become wise as serpents and harmless as doves imply that we must develop discernment. We must develop discernment. The ability to detect motivations. In other words, you have to be in connection with God as Jesus was when he says he discerned their thoughts. He was knowing what they were thinking. You have to know what's motivating people. And you can only do that through God. God gives you the gift and that ability. You have to know the spirits that motivate why things are the, and he says try the spirits to see whether they be of God but wouldn't you have to have the standards and the presence and the, of God to be able to discern good and evil that's what Solomon asked for give me the gift give me wisdom to be able to discern good and evil yes. and God's word has to be that standard that measurement that we use The gift of discerning the spirits will become increasingly important as we approach the end of this age because deception will be the hallmark of these in these extremely dangerous times that Satan's ministers are transformed into angels of light and that everybody's going to be a Christian. Everybody's going to name the name of Jesus, but there's another Jesus. You have to be able to what's what it only comes to studying the word of God intimate fellowship with him walking in his word by exercise of use of his word not from watching television not from all of these what somebody else say or whatever but we must be in the presence but we must be doers and the Olivet prophecy the disciples asked Jesus to reveal the sign of his return now, Jesus gave them several signs, but at the top of the list, he warns the disciples about deception. He follows it up with a warning about false prophets and false teachers. That's Matthew 24th chapter, the 4th through the 5th and 11th verse, if you read all of that. For false, prophet, for false Christ and false prophets will appear, and they will provide great signs and wonders so as to, to deceive, if possible, even the elect of God's chosen. But why is it not possible? Because they know their God. They're like a, a FBI, a treasury agent that knows how a treasury note looks because he knows about the real. He doesn't study the counterfeit, but he knows so much about God as when Satan says, uh, cast yourself off of this mountain and it is written that he shall bear thee up lest you dash your foot against a stone. That is true. That is written. And God had told the disciples that you shall thread and no thing will harm you. You shall drink poison and snakes, no poison, no snakes and things. That doesn't give you the authorization to go be a snake handler. That doesn't authorize you to go drink poison. So what does Jesus say? It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. 
You shouldn't put God in a place where He has to prove Himself. Either God, you saved me and do this. I'm fit to throw myself off here. And if you don't pick me up and save me, you're not God. I'm fit to handle these rattlesnakes. I'm fit to go out here by all these snakes. At, and if they bite me or whatever, you're not God. I'm fit to drink this poison. Now, if you don't keep me from dying, you're not God. Tempt not the Lord thy God. Tempt not. That's tempting God. That's trying to make God prove Himself. Yes. The Hebrew boys didn't do that. When Nebuchadnezzar says, uh, "Bow," if you don't bow, we will throw in your fire. They were fearless. They says, "We don't have to study to answer this. The Lord is able to deliver us. We're not saying He delivers, but if He don't deliver us, He can deliver us. But if not, we still not go bow. We know that that's wrong." We know that worshiping you is wrong. We're not going to do that. You're not going to make me do wrong and think evil is going to come out of it. He says many false prophets will appear and mislead many because it says that many will go the broad way. We know that the mega churches and the, the groups of people, but we also know that the churches will grow by leaps and bounds. He tells us in the Word that what he's doing is... He's removing the evil doers and he's growing the church. So you have to be well versed in the word of God. There could be many people going under tents and doing things because in the Bible it says in the last days there's going to be false wonders. In other words, lying signs and wonders and miracles. The warning not to be deceived, Matthew 24 and 23 through 26 says... Then if anyone says to you during the great tribulation, look, here's the Christ, so there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear, and they will provide great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Listen carefully. I've told you in advance. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go there, or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Jesus warns us. First Peter 4, 1-2. Living by the sword here. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh and died for us, arm yourselves like warriors with that same purpose of the same mind, being willing to suffer for doing what is right and pleasing God. Because whoever has suffered in the flesh being like-minded with Christ is done with sin, having stopped pleasing the world, so that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living for human appetites and desires, but lives for the will and purpose of God. So, it's though as you're not married, because I'm not living to please my wife, even, even though a lot of things I do is for my wife and help my wife, God is the head. God is the choice. And if I do it in God's leading me to do it and she's upset, as Samson, the Bible tells us to not tell all to she, uh, he that lieth in thy breast. In other words, between spouses or whatever, there may be things you may not say to the other. It may be things because he was told, he was sore to Nazareth vowed not to tell his secret. A lot of pride that secret out of him. There's a lot of things it's better that you not know. Some marriages, some relationships last. Not that you're hiding something from them. 
but that you're strengthening things. So, since Christ suffered and underwent pain, people are going to make a lot of accusations and a lot of things against you. But some things that we tell people, they would have been better off or they could have reacted better if they didn't know that. Now that you know that, that's going to hinder you because that's why I withheld it from you because it wasn't to your betterment. That's why Christ said, it's a many a thing I have to tell you, but right now you can't bear it. Yes. With this same program that I'm watching or whatever, there are some things to start the show with hell from their friend or with hell from this person. And the person say, I can't trust you no more because you didn't tell me this or you didn't tell me that. No, it's some things within a marriage or a relationship you may not can tell it to tell that individual at the beginning of that relationship that they find out later on because the relationship is stronger later. The relationship is bonded and those things won't tear apart the relationship whereas if it was known earlier the relationship wouldn't have went to that length. So with Jesus he says some things you can't bear. Some things if he would have told them earlier they would have tried to what? be agile and move and prevent them just like Peter when he told him that this didn't come from you my father in heaven revealed this unto you that he was the Christ now Peter instead of standing firm in that declaration he tries to figure a way out that Jesus don't go to the cross and as I said that earned him Jesus calling him Satan he says get behind me Satan because you're trying to figure this out yourself. You're trying to manipulate the situation. When Rebecca tried to manipulate the situation, God's word and God had already told her that the elder should serve the younger. But yet she manipulated the situation to where she fooled her husband and Jacob fooled the husband and that caused her not to see Jacob anymore. She was dead when Jacob came back because Esau said he was going to kill him for stealing the birthright. But God had already told Rebecca when she asked him about what was going on in the womb, he already had said the elder should serve the younger. Stop trying to bring God's word about it, Sarah and Abraham. Tried to manipulate and bring the situation about Sarah says, my sin be upon you, but God had already promised and told you these things. Stop doing it in the flesh. Stop trying to bring it about. God will bring these things about. Try to understand God's word better. But by telling Abraham to go into Hagar, the handmaid, she brought about Isaac and Ishmael, and that battle has been continuing today. We are commanded to arm ourselves with the same mindset and attitude of Christ. To arm yourself. In other words, this part of the armor that you have to have, this is to protect you with that mind. He says, he had the entire host of heaven at his disposal, yet never lifted a finger in his own defense. When Peter pulled the knife and cut off the soldier's ears, he says, think that I have not power to pray didn't he say pray unto the Father and the Father would de- deliver him with a legion of angels? So he could have prayed unto God for deliverance by not with Peter's sword. He says put up your sword. 
he threw the money changers out of the temple, not because they were threatening him, but because they were desecrating his father's house. So we have to get fervent by the things of God and not the things of ourselves. The reason he cast them out is this is my father's house and you made it a den of thieves. So we can't go in cahoots with the money changers, those that's prostituting religion, that's prosperity and looking for money and all these things. With simony, when it came to his own security, he always chose to remove himself from the situation until his earthly ministry was over. So we have to be wise as doves, serpents, he says, but as harmless as a dove, as sheep. We're very harmless, but we have wisdom. The Bible tells us the children of the world are wiser than the children of the kingdom. But what they have is earthly wisdom. It's sensual. It's devilish. If any of us lacks wisdom, let him pray to God and he'll give it to us. So we have to continually ask God. That's why I say our cry has to be unto the Lord. We must seek him in everything. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 and 10 to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not as Samson in his own might. In his own power. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In the next several verses, he shows us that we are involved in a war, one in which no sword, gun, or any other human weapon can help us. Uh, We have to realize that we arm ourselves because there's a real war going on. God had, in Genesis 3.15, he had put enmity between the woman's seed and the serpent's seed. Joseph's brothers was carnal until the day they died. There are a lot of people, and that's why it says your enemies shall be those of your own household. You have to watch the unconverted, but you must love all men. So this takes wisdom. This takes a finesse only God can give you to abide and love all men and to live as peaceable as possible with all men. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world, and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spiritual world. So this is a spiritual fight. And when I say Satan and the rulers of wickedness, that's a spiritual concept. But if I want to say Satan as a physical thing, I speak of the devil because that's a personification of evil. And there's a lot of people that has the devil in them. There are a lot of people that lease themselves. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees and the people of his time, when they say, we be sons of Abraham, he said, but no, you're, you're father the devil. Because they had all of the characteristics and they did the bidding of their father the devil. There's a lot of murdering going on out there. There's a lot of tricking and tripping and different things that's schemes that's going on out there. There are a lot of people, and I'm saying, some of them are within your own families that are out there. Homosexuality, same-sex marriage, murder, thieves, adulterers, fornications, liars. Some of these people won't change. 
but note that they can't do you any harm if you are in Christ Jesus and not worrying about physical death. You have to be among scorpions in which you die out. You have to walk circumspectively. You have to be careful. You have to be a person of integrity. But you must know that this is very dangerous. People say hoodoo and voodoo and all this stuff is just foolishness. No, but some of this stuff is very dangerous. It's witchcraft. Be careful. It's the real world. And he says, keep them in the world, but keep them from the evil in the world. So he's prayed, prayed for this protection. But he says, I've given them thine word. The word is our protection. That's your sword. That's your shield and buckler. Okay, we're going to have to get the rest of this at another teaching time. Our battles are spiritual battles. And even when those battles involve human instruments, our articles of defense are still spiritual. So it says, take the sword. The sword is the word of God. We're not to physically go out there and kill people. We're not to physically do these things. Even though the result is a death of spiritual and physicality to those that God are removing because he says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Truth. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened a wide band of truth that is personal integrity and moral courage around your waist. That is, gird up your loins with the truth. Stand in the truth. Be strong and of a good courage. As he was with Moses, he'll be with us. He was with Joshua. Courageous. No coward's going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness, that breastplate of righteousness, that's an upright heart. You protect, you ask God to give you a new heart, one that he only can supply. The most basic protection offered. Um, the gospel of peace, that is, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. To face the enemy with firm foot stability and the readiness to produce the good news. So we go about telling all men of the gospel. That, that's our commission. To go and make disciples of all nations to proclaim the truth. Our feet has to, but we have to study to show ourselves approved. We have to know the word of God. So as I told you that faith was inclusive also of the breastplate in the helmet, faith also is the shield of faith. It says lift up the protective shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In other words, faith quenches the fiery dots of the adversary. These are things that comes from nowhere. These are things that Satan says things and in a moment you retort in anger. You remark with a short, sharp comment. All of these are weapons that can sink you. Because by complaining against what somebody is saying or doing or murmuring, that person have got you to sin against God, to sin a sin that God destroyed the people in the wilderness. 23,000 died because of murmuring and complaining. In Corinthians he says, murmur not murmuring and complaining they were complaining about what God had given them what God had did 
God was going to cause them to lose their children murmuring and complaining as a sin. I was telling you the other day, the power of life and death is in the word. That tongue. What you say. So watch this. People get you to complaining and murmuring about a situation uh, against authority, against things. And people don't realize when you start coming out of that, tell them, hey, well, look, we shouldn't do that. Okay, they mad because you used to do it. They go, bring up, but you do this and do that. Well, when I do it, let me know when I do it and everything because I shouldn't be doing it. I am wrong. I'm not your example. Jesus is your example. Stop telling me what I'm doing. Stop following man. That's another, that's another weapon. Men, leaders in the sin, we do things because others do things. Whereas that person may end up getting off with it. Saul was a more, much more moral person than David in the aspect. We don't see where he committed adultery or do any of these things. But we've seen that he wasn't the leader that David was and that God says David, he had put away his sin. A lot of people bring up by David, but God had put away from that. Put that away. In Paul's spiritual analogy, the breastplate guards the heart, the seat of our attitudes and emotions. So we asking God to watch our attitudes and our because some people have a, a funky attitude. Their disposition. You know, I, I don't like helping a lot of people or whatever because of your attitude. They discourage you from helping. They're not thankful, they're ungrateful. But all of these are characteristics of the last days. Look in the book of Romans. It's going to say men going to be unthankful, ungrateful. All of these things. Covenant breakers. I'm trying to help you. I'm going out my way to help you. But you discouraging me. You're trying to get me in a tit-for-tat situation. That's what Joseph's brothers did. They're trying to get him to the point where evil and wickedness. No, I'm not going to let you turn me this way. I'm still going to be nice to you when your enemies say all manner of evil against you, bless and not curse. When reviled, he reviled not again. Don't let them change you into being like them. Satan throws multiple distractions, trials, and ideals at God's children. And without the strength of faith, these can quickly and easily engulf us and make our heads spin. Without protection, their intensity could take our eternal life. The fiery dots of the wicked one fly and find their marks on anyone whose armor is deficient. So if you don't have the shield of faith which comes from Christ, it's going to sink you. It may be an everlasting sink. You may get into covetousness. You may get into shopping and watching material things. To be material, you can't love the world or the things of the world. Now, I'm not saying you can't use it. It says using the world, but not abusing the world. But covetousness is part of the Ten Commandments. Thou should not covet. But it's us. We want everything. You could get you a new phone, but you see another phone advertised on TV. you got to have that. You see this car and that car. Before long... Driving along, this person and saw every car on the road, he want one just like it. Everything, I just got to have that. The shopping network, you just got to have this, and we ain't make but a thousand of them. And if you don't hurry up and get it the next 15 minutes, it's going to be gone. Well, I need to hurry up and get that before it's gone. 
you get it and it's in your closet, you're not using it. All of the stuff, you keep building bigger and bigger bonds. All of these are devices of Satan. Salvation, the helmet of salvation, and I'll need to bring this to a close, but I'm right in the, with still talking about the mind because you need to bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of Jesus Christ, casting down the imagination that exalted itself against God. Because the imagination, the daydreaming, that's what's against God. Yes. Wanting and desiring. You have not because you wanted to consume it upon your own lust. The things that you desire. And it says in the times of Noah, man's imagination was wicked and evil continually. Now wicked and evil, that doesn't have to mean murder and killing uh, and and doing some of these other things. But there are a lot of sins that the the Bible teaches us of. Lasciviousness. Dressing in certain manners could be lasciviousness causing others to lust after and want after. There are a lot of us abuse our bodies to look appealing to man or whatever and not be who or what we are. There are a lot of people go to extreme diets and different things to change their body to be acceptable to others and not satisfied with this very skin they're in. We try to, a lot of people that had plastic surgery and all types of surgeries, the change who they are to look appealing to the world and they destroy their body or do something harmful their souls and body, not knowing your body is not yours. It belongs to the Lord and he, you're a living stone and you're trying to change. I'm not saying that don't call me here. I'm not saying that don't put up makeup because this is one of the things that he's talking about makeup in one of these verses. So a woman should look attractive. But when it talks about it in Peter, when it says adorning and plaiting of the hair and putting on these things, in other words, modesty. There are some people that have to go to the hairdresser and have to do all these things. It's become self-conceited, a self-centered. There's an overkill in these things. So there's nothing wrong with a person looking nice and attractive or whatever. But there's a line. There's a limit. Like I say, we have to find out what is doing harm or what weapon is prospering and how this has been weaponized, how Satan has weaponized this. Because what Satan does, he turns virtues into vices, but what God's doing with his people is turning vices into virtue. He's transforming by the renewing of the mind. But the devil comes to steal, kill, and rob. He comes to take that which God is giving you to prosper with. He's taking your inheritance. And that 17th verse says, this is the heritage of the saints. This is the heritage of the children of God. Know that God had given us all things and wished that we, we, we would prosper and be in health. But it's the means by which we achieve these things. Is it according to the Word of God? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for watching over us.